0: On Sunday. Props and hops, sitting pretty on a Monday. Props and hops,
1: you know it's in with props and, hops and props and hops. Welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm your host Matt Landis, and for part four of the Bet Dash Bonus series, thrilled to be joined by Gil Alexander. Many of you probably know Gil as the host of a numbers game as well as primetime action on Vison the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Gil, also, of course, the host of the Beating the Book podcast. Shout out to any listeners who, like myself, uh, know the podcast going back to the betting dork days. Uh, it's been a long time just doing great work in this space. Gil, welcome to Props and Hops.
0: Thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the
1: nice introduction. I always I was like when somebody knows the betting dork days. Oh, yeah, those were formative days as I was just catching on to this whole betting thing. And I know a lot of people have been following along just like I have, but for anybody who might be unacquainted or could use a bit of a refresher, could we kick things off with a brief elevator pitch on your background?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my elevator pitch is probably similar to many, which is I was that kid in school who um, started football pools, right? $2 football pools. No one taught me how to do it. My parents weren't from this country. I um, was just sort of innately drawn to sports. You know, I read the Washington Post sports section every day religiously when I was six years old. I collected baseball cards. I became obsessed with the Beckett Price Guide. And sort of that was my first intro into sports and money, I guess, being tied together in some uh, interesting way. And uh, yeah, then I was the guy who started the gambling pools. And, you know, really just I ended up doing, you know, sort of cutting ahead. I ended up doing radio, but music formatted radio. I was a DJ in my 20s, but really just felt when the advent of podcasting came in, and we're talking like, 2005 now, when I think was the first time I went to a Staples and heard about this podcasting thing and bought a headset with a microphone. And I just sort of decided, you know, do I really want to be introducing a, uh, you know, a hip hop record when I'm 50 years old? Probably not. Maybe I should really be as, as Oprah, as the great Oprah Winfrey would say, the authentic you. And so I just said, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what I really love, which is sports betting. And I'm going to do it from an honest standpoint which is I'm going to actually tell people when I lose, too, which was a real vacuum to fill back then. Um, And that's how this kind of all started, where I went on this path into podcasting and now, you know, doing radio and streaming today.
1: Well, speaking of your love for sports betting, you will be moderating a panel on the art of sports betting Sunday at noon as part of Bet Bash. And that should be a great one. It's also going to feature Circa Sportsbook Manager Chris Bennett, as well as three professional bettors, including Spanky himself, the founder of Bet Bash, also a guest of yours on Tuesday on a numbers game. So, Gil, I'm curious, what's it like for you preparing to moderate a panel like this? And what do you think people can expect out of it?
0: Well, I mean, my role is to just stay out of the way, to be frank with you, Matt. I mean, I am like, I'm super honored that they would ask me to moderate and this specific panel itself because. No offense to any of the other panels, they're great too, but this is this to me is the best of the bunch where it's, it's uh, Elihu Feustel on the panel who is an author, who's a data scientist, and really probably the guy I've learned more about uh, sports betting from, just from following him through the years than anybody else on planet Earth. He'll be there. Uh, we mentioned Spanky, Zach White, Chris Bennett, as you said. It's just, I've I got to stand out of the way. What it really is going to be, if I could just give the elevator pitch for that panel, Roxy Roxborough, who was on, you know, again, I was, he was kind enough to be on a numbers game this morning, as was Elihu. I'm just, just the luckiest dude in the world that these guys would be so generous with their time and their insight to spend time. And the panel is going to be really stemming from a, con, from a conversation I had with, Rocky, with Roxy rather a few weeks ago, which was, you know, we were talking about Billy Walters, and he said, Was Billy Walters the greatest handicapper of all time? And he said, Well, maybe. He goes, but was he with the best sports better of all time? And he said, without a doubt. And so that's what we really want to talk about. We want to talk about, um, you know, extending your life in sports betting with your outs, how you can do creative things to maintain accounts and to not get into conflict with sports books, both in a adversarial and friendly nature alike. So I think there's there's so much to talk about just from that that topic alone. I don't think we'll have any trouble, you know, spending an hour on that if not more, and we'll take questions as well.
1: One thing I want to make sure to underscore aside from the panel itself for people who won't be at Bad Bash but still want a glimpse into some of what you just referenced, we're recording this Wednesday mid-morning Pacific time. So some people might hear this Thursday, Friday later in the week, but a numbers game, you know, every hour is released in podcast form. So if you want to hear those conversations with Roxy and Elihu, then I think that would be a must listen for anybody. Whether you're getting excited to attend that bash or whether you've got some FOMO but still want to soak up some of the knowledge, uh, wanted to be sure to underscore that. And Gil, you're also a better yourself, not just, you know, such a prominent face with everything you do on VEASAN. And I'm wondering if you could describe your own personal approach to betting, maybe what types of sports you tend to specialize in and any types of bets that you generally gravitate toward.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a, that's been an evolving thing for me. You know, five, ten years ago, if you had asked me, what's my favorite sport to bet? And I would have said baseball, and everything else is a distant second. Um, but, you know, it was betting baseball, one thing ten years ago. It's a very different thing, ba- betting baseball today. Ten years ago, you know, if you – new advanced stats like Fielding Independent, like Babbitt, very simple fan graphs, advanced stats, you actually could have an edge in the baseball betting markets. That's no longer the case. That's gone away. And baseball, the the game of baseball has changed. What I loved about it is that it was an individual sport disguised as a team sport. You could quantify it starting pitcher in later in games. And so all of those advanced pitching stats really applied. I don't have that edge anymore. You know, Um, even in the best of times, I would, I would throw in a bad season, right? 2013, Roxy and I were just talking about that this morning. It was a bad year. But there were great seasons of baseball back in the day, but I couldn't beat it consistently now on a day-in and day-out basis, even if I tried. For me now, it's tennis. Tennis has been a sport, as a numbers game listeners know, that, again, my, the way that my brain works really works out um, in terms of results. And so it's been a sport that um, I, have, I have done very well in, sometimes more famously than I would like. Sometimes it results in disputes. Um, And, you know, I just love that numbers game listeners have really gravitated towards tennis because my whole thing is, I think it's like just if, if we took betting aside, I think it is some of the most impressive athleticism and athletic achievement that we see globally. And I just don't think an American sports audience loves tennis as much obviously as they do other sports, but I think it's one of the better sports to bet on. And that's, you know, that's one of the big things about sports betting that's always fascinating. First of all, that it's, that it's such a great reflection of the human condition, I think. That it's such an interesting puzzle to solve. Different sports, I think, take different approaches um, to beat, in my experience. And all, all with the same sort of, you know, data foundation, but, but different approaches. And, um, you know, in the end, the sports that we often like as children and that we are biggest fans of aren't necessarily the sports that will be the most successful in betting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And something you snuck in there was that sometimes maybe doing a bit too well in tennis leading to some disputes. I think a fitting remark from somebody who's about to host a panel again on the art of sports betting. Could you elaborate a bit for anybody who might not be too familiar with some of these previous issues? um, What some of your success in tennis has led to trying to resolve things. What's the other side of the counter?
0: Oh, yeah, I was just, I was made a brief reference to, uh, I still have an ongoing dispute with the, with the Westgate over an uh, Igas Sviatek bet from 2020 when she won her first major, when she won her first tournament, uh, the French Open, which was moved um, from its normally scheduled time to later that year, the year of the pandemic. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that gets adjudicated here some two years later. But that's, that's what I was referring to there.
1: Gotcha. And something else you touched on uh, might be tied into the next question I had in mind for you. You talked about evolving over the years and you used to really clean up in baseball and now tennis is in your wheelhouse. What would you say perhaps related to or in addition to evolving as a better would be one of the most important skills that an up and coming better hearing this conversation could focus on to best position their personal ROI over the long term?
0: Well, I think math is involved in anything. I I think if you're doing this without any sort of data basis, you're probably doing it wrong. Now, that's not to say when someone says that, they're always like, oh, this guy doesn't watch games. No, I watch everything. Um, But I think you have to have some sort of amalgamation of both. Like, you can't do this without having some sort of data background. But the real big thing, like if I were to, you know, a great macro thing that I always like to say is, you have to be able to overcome negative variance, and I think, Matt, that that's the single biggest skill that I think sports bettors need, which is to say that you have to, first of all, you have to figure out if you have an edge in anything. And you have to be really super honest with yourself if you do or don't. And it's not a static thing, as we talked about with baseball. You may have an edge one year, and five years later, or even you know, a shorter period of time later, you don't have one. 98% of the people probably don't have an edge at all. A, you know, a couple percent do. In cert- and by the way, not in every sport. In certain sports, you will. And then once you, once you really are sure that you have that edge, and again, you will be the minority, and you will have to be super honest with yourself about that to begin with. But let's say you do. Then you have to be able to process the fact that even with that, you're going to go into some really bad runs. And you'll be, you'll have to be able to overcome that mentally. It's like the, uh, you know, it's like the MIT blackjack team, the famous story from back in the day. You have to know that you have the edge, even though mathematically speaking, you're going to have bad runs. And so you can't, you can't second guess that. You can't second guess the fact that that could happen. And so the ability to overcome that kind of thing, say in a year of sports betting or in 5 years of sports betting when you do have that edge it's such a tough thing to to develop and so i think that would be sort of my biggest piece of advice be able to overcome negative variance once you once you know that you know you ought to get the best of it over the long run
1: yeah i think that the math can be such a foundational piece of it all but almost the game within the game at a certain point becomes the mental gymnastics just to keep an even keel and make sure that Money management and just your own emotional well-being isn't getting, you know, too carried away with the results any given day. Because to your point, even if somebody's got an edge, hitting 55% of the time playing minus 110 is great and very few people can do it. And that still means you're going to lose quite often. yeah Um, So I think anybody would be wise to heed those words from a betting standpoint. I'd also be really curious to get some insight from you when it comes to the content creation side of things. I'm reminded of a conversation I was honored to have yesterday with ESPN sports betting reporter, David Purdom. And when I asked him about advice for content creators, he mentioned three things, essentially. Number one, differentiate yourself. Number two, define your role. And number three, demonstrate your passion. And speaking with somebody like you the very next day, I feel like I'm lucky because it seems to me like you've gone three for three in those areas. I mean, there's a YouTube video that our mutual friend, Timothy Lawson, put together that makes that passion of yours unmistakably clear. I think it was 26 hours a week of sports betting programming during the NFL season with Thursday being a marathon of a day. And a quick aside, if I may, um, youtube.com slash thebetterlife has this video. I'll link to it in the show notes. It would be four minutes well spent checking out, you know, a day in your life during the NFL season. So if there's one takeaway from this conversation, I'd encourage people to go ahead and check that out. But Gil, zooming out a bit at a macro level does any advice come to mind from somebody in your position thinking about what could help aspiring content creators in the betting space put themselves in a good spot moving forward?
0: It's a great it's a great answer from David Purdom. I mean, differentiation is huge. Uh, demonstrating that passion um, and knowing your niche. All, all of that stuff is – I think those, that's a super great answer. I would add to that um, a couple things. One, if you're just starting – and you're say as most people would start, they would probably do a podcast. And you know, back when I did it, there were very few. I can count them on one hand. Even um, now, everybody has one. So one of the biggest, like, most simple bits of advice I always give for people who are starting with a podcast or anything that involves digital media is, and this has nothing to do with your sports betting knowledge, make it sound good. And what I mean by that is. Any reason that people can come up with quickly to not listen to you, they will take that excuse either consciously or subconsciously. So if your audio doesn't sound good, if it's, you know, if it's just janky in whatever way, you're going to already be behind the eight ball. Make the technical side of it seamless. That's, that's the first thing I would say. People, people think that's like really super simplistic advice. It is, but you'd be surprised how many people just crap out because of that alone. It's a little easier today than it used to be back in the day when, you know, uh, when technology wasn't as up to snuff. But that, that would be the first thing. The other thing is be entertaining, right? So be yourself and be entertaining. Be yourself is the greatest bit of advice anybody gave me even before sports betting when I was just doing music radio stuff. Only you can be you, right? You're the best you that anybody um, could ever hope for. And so, you know, have that personality come out. Uh, don't take yourself so seriously. There are times to be serious. Lord knows I'm serious a lot. I, I, I sports bet, you know, I bet sports to win. So I, I take it very seriously, but there's a lot of, you know, we're not splitting the atom either, Matt. So it's like, uh, you know, a lot of this is fun. A lot of it's hilarious. A lot of it is just the ridiculous, right. With bad beats or or what, or what have you, so, I mean, I think that's the other thing is you could be the smartest person in the world, but if you're not entertaining, no one's going to care to listen to you either because we know a lot of smart people in sports betting, but they're not exactly the most fun listens. And so if you can find the right balance of smarts and entertainment, I think that's, that's what the North Star is. That's what you should strive for.
1: That really resonates with me on a personal level, because I feel like I can be analytical to a fault sometimes, and it served me well in betting over the years, so I'm excited about that, but at the same time, wanting to make this something that people would enjoy listening to. I think sometimes, you know, weaving in the hops, making it something a little bit different and fun beyond just the X's and O's of betting can hopefully get that job done, but I think something else that can, you know, weave in some of that personality or just bring out some fun beyond trying to break down bets. Uh, can be a transition to what I like to call the Malinsky Minute, a pillar on this podcast weaving in you know a nod to the late great David Malinsky, who was a dear friend and mentor of mine. And aside from his staggering knowledge of sports, he knew so much about so many other things. And yeah. one of his biggest passions, living in Vegas, was supporting independently owned restaurants all over town. I mean, it's so nice. Every time I go to Vegas now, I have to make sure that I'm getting most, if not all my meals off the strip, and I find that there are better experiences in terms of the customer service, the people I'm supporting, often the price point and the quality of the meals. There's so much to offer for people willing to broaden their horizons a bit. And from your standpoint, I think that when you do the Vegas Lifestyle Show on Beating the Book Every Year, it's clear that you've got a good feel for that. Uh, so I can't let you go without seeing if you might have any restaurant recommendations for people who may be coming to Bet Bash shortly, looking for some of those experiences, or for people who can't make it to Bet Bash but do hope to get to Vegas sometime soon. What would you say for some restaurants that people might not find if they just do some general searching, but you know, as an insider, some spots they should definitely look to check out?
0: Man, so many. Um, You know, on the Strip, my favorite steak places are still uh, SW at the Wynn and Andiamo at the D. Andiamo at the D, which will be uh, right in the wheelhouse of Betbash, which is centered at Circa um but you know the, the circuit itself the brisket fried rice over at uh what is it eight what is the name of that eight restaurant east? eight east uh to die for get it uh get it uh vital vegas style with the chicken it's awesome mm, um tip. so if so if you're right on the premise uh premises that would be a great one to go to off strip i mean there's so many depends what your price point is um obviously also on strip by the way uh some of my favorites i'll be at uh I have a dinner reservation at Yardbird at the Venetian, if you like fried chicken and waffles uh, this week. But off-strip, you know, some of the ones that I go to are high-end or low-end. One of the great spots, and I don't know how adventurous people are going to be, but if you go down Spring Valley, there is any number of options uh, with an Asian slant to them, an Asian tilt to them, which have been just my go-tos over time. I go down and go to the Korean market and just there's a food court there, and I just go to town. It is the best thing going. Um, there's also a you know super high end sushi place if you're into that, which is for a very small percentage of people. But it's uh, it's called um, now now of course it's a Kabuto, and it is the best. I mean the best sushi that one could ever hope to have. So I mean I agree with what uh, Dave Malinsky said so many years ago, and I know he was a big Lotus of Siam guy. Uh, off strip it that has been what the, the two biggest joys of vegas for me have actually not had anything to do with sports betting have had to do with the great food on the outside of the strip and really the the accessibility to great music which you can just sort of roll out of bed and, and find so i mean so many things that i could say positively but food wise man there's no
1: shortage of it Love it. And one thing I'll add in the spirit of David Malinsky, beyond the access to great food and great live music would be something I've heard Roxy touch on, on a podcast before. And that's being, you know, within a stone's throw of so much in nature. You think of the Vegas Strip, just, you know, this, you know, little oasis in the middle of the desert with all these lights and all this gambling going on in this concentrated area, but between, you know, Mount Charleston, one direction, a lot in Arizona going the other way, you know, The beach is a farther trip. Not a lot of people are going to drive four and a half hours for, you know, a quick trip to, uh, you know, the Pacific coast, but there's so much in between. And, uh, you know, it's not just a lot of people who, you know, like me in Southern California have made that drive to Vegas. It seems like four hours of going through nothing. Well, there, there's a whole lot of something that you can find uh, pretty close by. So access to just almost anything for any outdoorsy people. Uh, I've been very pleasantly surprised by how accessible that is from you know the heart of las vegas as well
0: yeah it's such a great point there's any any number of places where bryce canyon in one direction um you know there's just so many so many beautiful things you you mentioned mount charleston um yeah i mean i i've I've been unbelievably pleasantly surprised
1: by the move here
0: never thought i'd live here but uh when veason started i did move here five years ago and i've never regretted it for one second
1: yeah, and I don't think your audience has regretted it at all either. It seems to be working really well. So I want to make sure before we wrap things up to plug your work, people who aren't already doing so can follow Gil on Twitter at Beating the Book and check him out on Vison a numbers game Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Primetime Action, also Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Also the host of the Beating the Book podcast and of course the moderator of the Bet Bash panel on the Art of Sports Betting coming up this Sunday at noon. Gil, is there anything I'm missing or anything else you'd like to add?
0: I think you got it. I just really appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you, and thanks, thank you uh, for doing such a great job with what you're doing
1: here. Yeah, thank you so much for the time. I'll let everybody know here. That'll do it for this episode of the Bet Bash bonus series on props and hops powered by Dimers.com. If you've enjoyed the conversation, you can check out the Dimers Podcast Network at dimers.com slash podcasts for even more gambling content. Tomorrow, we'll be back at it with some pro bettors to keep the series rolling along. But, Gil, once again for now, thanks again for your time and insight. Can't wait to see you in a few days during Bet Bash.
0: Likewise. Thank you, Matt. Sit up